All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. I am looking at a beautiful sunset out my window of the Westbury Hotel in Dublin, Ireland right now. Oh, look, there's a seagull. I wonder if that's the one that shit on my window before I got here. I haven't talked to you since, uh, when is it? Thursday. And uh, a lot has gone on. A lot has gone on in the world. Bill Cosby's going to prison. That was a long time coming. I don't know if he's going to prison. They might lock him to his couch. I don't know what's happening, but uh, it was pretty, uh, pretty spectacular a bit of justice there. Still in Dublin, and I want to thank everybody for coming out to Vicker Street. That was a, that was a great show. I love that place. I love that club. Uh, I love the people in Ireland. Can I, can I say that? I, I'm, I'm honest about it. I feel very comfortable here. Out of all the places I've been, and this is not to knock Oslo or Stockholm or London even. It's just something about the Irish. I just feel very comfortable. I think they're very authentic people. They're very nice people. And uh, and I like it here. I, I like it so much that this was my plan, that if I had to leave the country, it, Ireland is always the place I felt like coming. And I got no, I got no connection to it genetically. I can't claim any citizenship. I can't. I, I just... I like the people, and I've always been mildly obsessed with the Irish, to be honest with you. Back in college, all those years, I started in Boston. I performed for the American Irish at the beginning of my career. That was my baptism in fire. It was a, an Irish fire that I was baptized in. Uh, probably, you know, I, not not right off the boat Irish, but a few generations in. But my relationship with the, the Boston Irish was always a little a little tense for me. I'm sure they didn't give a fuck or a fuck, but uh, for me it was. And then when I come back here, when I when I come to Ireland, I see the source. I come to the I come to the source of the American Irish. There's many more American Irish people than there are Irish people, Irish Irish, uh, in the world. I think I, I believe that is true. They have spread, but I see them. They look familiar to me. I, I from being living in Boston all those years. I come here and they're just there's a, a difference. There's a difference in vibe, and I'm not being judgmental. I'm just acknowledging it. There, it seems that the over a couple of generations in the states, it activated some sort of menace and intensity that uh, I don't feel here. But then again, it's limited. I may be romanticizing. I guess what I'm saying is the Irish are okay with me, and they're a great audience, and they're very pleasant people. I've had a nice time. I did things. Did I mention who's on the show today? I guess I should do that. Scott Thompson is on the show. And I haven't, uh, I haven't done Scott Thompson yet. I mean, it's sort of amazing. I've got, I've, I think I've only got one more kid in the hall. Scott Thompson's on the show today, as is a, uh, a little talk with, uh, with my buddy uh, Tom Rhodes, my old friend Tom Rhodes. Stopped by just to chat. Oh, my God, I'm a little disheveled. I'm a little fat. My tummy's uh, hanging over my pants. You can't eat bread with every meal and expect to win. You just can't. Why did I let myself? Doesn't matter. I'm not going to do this with you people. Not today. I'm going to tell you about the amazing trip we've been having. So we got here. The Book of Kell folks, uh, that old manuscript they got over there at Trinity College, they reached out to me on Twitter. And uh, we went over there and we went to the Book of Kell exhibit and got walked through by someone who knows what they're talking about and learned a little bit about that. The whole book is there, but for some reason, they're just going to let you see a couple pages. You just assume that the rest is under there. You see a couple of the nice uh, hand-done manuscript pages of the Book of Kell, which is a very old book of the four Gospels. 
got a little history, and then we went into the old library at Trinity College, the Long Room, which is the most dramatic and gorgeous wooden room full of books I've ever seen in my life. Learned a little bit about that. Stood next to a statue of Jonathan Swift. Uh, thought about uh, Yeats. Thought about Joyce. Thought about Swift. A lot of lot, a lot of good shit come from around here. A lot of deep stuff. A lot of uh, you know cutting to the bone type of business come out of Ireland. I did not buy a tweed jacket. I almost did. I looked at the tweed jackets. I thought about myself in a tweed jacket, and I thought about myself in a Irish cable knit sweater. Uh, but I didn't buy either of those because I live in fucking Los Angeles, and the need is limited for the tweed and the heavy sweater. You dig? I think I covered a lot of stuff here. I would like to bring. Uh, I'd like to share my conversation with with Tom Rhodes with you now. Uh, he uh, has a podcast, Tom Rhodes Radio. Get that wherever you get podcasts, or go to tomrhodesradio.com. I think he does another one called Smart Camp as well. But uh, this is um, this is me talking to my old buddy to, uh, Tom Rhodes. Tom Rhodes back in the garage. This would be the original garage. <laughs> But where you been, man? I was watching. I look at the Instagram, and you know, it's like you know, all of a sudden you, you're in Paris. You're, you're, you know, like where are you now? I love Paris. Yeah, it's great. I've been doing the international circuits for like 20 years. Yeah, and I have a long history with Paris. Yeah, I was in Mongolia last year. Now, but when you do these shows, like in Paris and Mongolia, I mean, who are the audience? They're English speaking, because unless uh, you've done a lot of homework over the last few years, I'm assuming you're not speaking native Mongolian or even French, Tom. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, like in Mongolia, uh, Ulaanbaatar uh-huh. and Paris, the it was all locals. Yeah. You know, it was mostly um, French people in Paris, mostly Mongolians. and Who speak English. Who speak English yeah. and love English language comedy. Uh-huh. Um, you know, a lot of gigs I do, like Tokyo will be half expats yeah. and half Japanese people. In China, it'll be mostly expats with a handful of Chinese people, you know. Yeah. Switzerland is, and it's usually like half and half. But I mean, is this satisfying to you? Is this something that you enjoy doing because you like to travel or is it because you have to do it? Well, (laughs) Uh, I do it because I love to travel and I get off on... Uh, learning about places. Yeah. Uh, aside from the used record stores, I like to go to used bookstores. Yeah. And... You're sitting in one. Need anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Are you getting rid of all that stuff? Not all of it. Probably some. I'm surprised there's so many help, help, self-help books. Is there? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even know it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I mean... You, that was so cute and innocent. Is there? I got a couple of recovery books there, but those are history recovery books. That's uh, Pass It On, Bill Wilson and the AA Message, and The Language of the Heart. Pass It On is the history of AA. Wow. How, from the you know, the two dudes. The dude that made it. Wow, Bill yeah. Wilson. But no more, you got nothing, no more drunken for you. No more drinky. No, I'm, uh, wow, I'm four years off the, off the booze. But you go, you just, uh, you just do it your way. You don't do recovery. Uh, yeah, that's one way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Why yeah. you 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 think it's bad that I didn't do the AA route? Who gives a shit? How I follow you do Bill it. Wilson on Twitter. Is yeah. that enough? Yeah, <laughs> I don't give a shit how you do it. You know, <laughs> right? I don't judge that. Uh, you know the series of events that that led up to 
um, me turning my life around. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we're friends and you know, I'll give you the, the quick recap, but you know, my father was, I've been a heavy party in my whole life. And then I, I had, remember we've had some times. We had some times together. Sure. And you know, I really, I thought I was at the pinnacle of my career and way of living. Uh-huh. I put everything into storage. I didn't live anywhere for 10 years. I would do like three or four months a year in Europe, you know, a month in Asia, a month in Australia, a month in New Zealand, all over the States. My wife traveled with me for eight of those years. And then when we had time off, like four years in a row, we went to Rome and rented an apartment. I uh, did a month in Asia. Then we went to Bali for a couple weeks. And this is all just sort of like, this is how you wanted to live. This is my dream way of living. And right. then now with today's, you know, with like Airbnb and, you know, uh, it's like you don't have to live anywhere. Right. And so uh, when I had time off, I would go to New Orleans a lot and San Francisco in the States, uh-huh. uh, Venice Beach when I'd be in LA. We yeah. really had life perfect, I thought. Uh-huh. And uh, my father was killed by a drunk driver. Um, I loved my dad. My dad's the reason I'm a comedian. Yeah. And I took that. How old was he? Uh, 74, 73 at the time. He was in a car. He's in a car in Anaheim. Yeah. And they lived out here. Uh, my dad lived in Anaheim. Uh Yeah. And then a year and a half later, and I hadn't gotten over my dad dying. Uh, and then a year and a half later, my little sister died of breast cancer and I was really close with my sister uh, I have two jock thug older brothers who were bullies yeah. and uh, beat the shit out of me. And my uh, my sister and I, w- to rebel against my brothers, became like artsy and cool. And we were into theater and movies and comedy and music. Yeah. And uh, it was always me and my sister against my brothers. Right. And so uh, my wife and I, Ashna, we were going to get married on April 22nd, and then on April 19th, they said she's got 24 hours to live. Oh, my God. Things went, like, horribly bad. Yeah. Uh, like, two weeks before we were going to get married. Yeah. And so I was I was in Florida uh, because I was going to get married, and then all this goes terribly bad with my sister, and uh, they said that she's got 24 hours to live, and my I said to Ashna, do you want to get married at her bedside? And she's like, oh my God, of course. Mm. So we got married at my sister's hospital bedside at the Orlando Regional Medical Center in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And That's uh, heavy, man. It, man, you know. Was she conscious? She was conscious. She clapped and she said congratulations through her breathing mask. And it turned out to be the last word she ever spoke. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't tell you how much I loved my sister and how painful this was. And I mean doctors and nurses and everybody was crowded at the door it was not a dry eye in the place especially me i was like i do yeah and i mean now looking back i can see how beautiful the the beauty in the moment i mean at the time it was completely gut-wrenching and heartbreaking um but um you know and then she died uh it's a very long painful wait to watch someone you love die of cancer. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you think about it, you know, I, I guess getting married in a hospital is kind of a good place because, like, people are being born and people are dying. And, you know, I can look back on it now and see, yeah. like, the, 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 the textured beauty. The, in it, the poetic. <laughs> the poetic beauty, yeah. yeah. Um, but 
I went into the toilet emotionally afterwards as a newlywed. Uh, just spiraled. Well, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't depression. It was right. grief and sorrow. Sure. And I really, I, 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 I saw no joy in life. And I, uh, it, it was difficult to come up with jokes. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I have so much material that I've, you know, been doing comedy for so long. I could, I could still do gigs. Yeah. And it felt great to put my brain on a shelf. Right. And go out and, you know, do shows and feel laughter washing over me. Yeah. But um, I, uh, it's, I pretty much, um, you know, my wife helped me, but I, 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 I think I lost my sense of humor for a while. And then I was also really medicating myself. Yeah. Drinking more than I ever had. Yeah. And I've always been a heavy partier, and I really got this fat white guy alcoholic face with the booze nose. Yeah. And um, I, I just... I, I You're be, smoking. I'm heavily smoking. Yeah. Two packs of cigarettes a day. And I blacked out in Philadelphia... I was in Philadelphia for New Year's Eve. Yeah, working. New Year's Eve came on a Wednesday, and then the contract, they had me staying for the weekend. Right. And then I had January 1st off in Philadelphia, and uh, I it was a normal evening. I had 10 pints of Sierra Nevada. Yeah. It was a normal evening for me. Right. And I blacked out. I fell off this bar stool like a tree and busted my head open on a tile floor, and there's blood everywhere. And uh, once my head hit the ground, I was wide awake. Some guy lifts my arm up and he yells out to the bar, we got to call an ambulance. Yeah. I'm like, fuck that. I don't have health insurance. Don't you dare call an ambulance. Right. You, know? you said that. I did. And he <laughs> goes, he goes, he goes, you got to get to a hospital. I go, how far is the nearest hospital? He goes, two blocks. So um, I, I walked to the hospital and I, I got six stitches on my forehead and uh, I had to get like five staples on the top of my head. And the next morning I woke up and I saw so much ugliness in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, bloody ugliness. I had, a, I had a Frankenstein stitches. I had a black eye. And I just, I, I, I just thought, that's it. I'm done. And I, I thought in honor, to honor my dead father and sister, yeah. uh, I, 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 should, I should be the best human being and comedian I can possibly be instead of getting fucked up every night of my well, life. Well, you were gunning for uh, the, you know, you were gunning to really hurt yourself. Well, I mean, I, I you know, every hero, I mean, you started out the same. Every hero I ever had died fat, naked, and bloated on the bathroom tiles. I know, but it's like, you know, uh, that's not what makes them aspirational. Yeah, no, I know. But I, I mean, it took me a long time to figure out. I mean, I was just numbing myself because no, I, I, know. I, 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 I didn't want to face my own grief. Sure, of and course. And then I realized that like, as a comedian and an artist, that is what you need to do. You need to face your own grief and your own uh, right. shit that's going on in your life. And, to, put it, yeah, and process it and disarm it and make it funny. And make it funny. Get some distance from it. There's no way to get distance from it if you didn't stop or, or, or take it in. But like, you know, it sounds like, I mean, that kind of heavy shit, like your your father going and your sister, I mean, you know, that's years of, of fairly, you know, conscious grieving. Yeah. I you, mean, you and uh, it hurt. I yeah. mean, and, you know, the, uh, the Charlie Chaplin quote pops to mind uh comedy is to take your pain and play with it uh-huh. <laughs> did you yeah. say that I just yeah i just read his autobiography <laughs> so, right. so you don't drink no reefer anymore either uh no and my wife i mean minimal yeah uh like i my wife is from holland yeah 
And the misconception about Dutch people is that they love weed. No. <laughs> Dutch people hate weed. They like hash? And uh, no. And the thing is, is, uh, you know, there's exceptions to every rule. But this is what we're not getting in the United States right now. Yeah. Uh, weed is tolerated and semi-legal in, in the Netherlands, but they teach their kids that drugs are for losers. Uh-huh. And so my wife just thinks that... She thinks weed is up there with heroin. Uh-huh. And I love my wife more than I love getting high, yeah. I, I have learned. Uh-huh. And uh, now in the United States, because it's becoming legal state, yeah. state by state, yeah. working from the West. Um, you know, imagine when Prohibition ended, how much people just must have drank and gotten sure. fucked up everywhere. Yeah. So I think that's kind of like what's happening with weed now. Is it? It doesn't... I wonder. I don't think... I. I don't haven't done a lot of reading on it, but it doesn't seem like people are going crazy. I'm saying people are. Uh, I'm seeing weed everywhere. Sure, uh, people smoking pot. Right, right. But it's sort of like uh, I, I think that the people that are going to smoke pot are going to smoke pot, and the people that aren't aren't. You know, it's, it's you know what I mean. Like the people that True, always smoke but pot. But what I'm talking about is people from a young age yeah. smoking this really crazy, yeah. high grade pot yeah that's definitely going to have an effect on your brain sure it's not like when you and i started out mm. you know i lived in amsterdam for five years mm-hmm. you go to amsterdam the weed shops it's like oh man give me super skunk triple x yeah. dog dick right, right? you want the because you're like trying to be manly or yeah. whatever i can handle weed yeah after i lived there for like a year i would go into the weed shop and go hey you guys got any like mexican rag weed <laughs> yeah, you know something you can low roll, grade stuff something you can roll <laughs> and like have happy conversations with yeah. your friends and not- not so, be incapacitated. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I've talked about this on my podcast and had people, you know, write me nasty things. You're talking against weed. No. I've spent my life smoking weed. No one is more pro-weed than me. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that uh, this there's not this counter uh, good advice to people that if you smoke weed all the time, you're not going to get shit done. Yeah, and it's all it's going to uh, diminish things because you, you you get a lot done in your head, and and also you it, it disables your ability to listen a little bit. You get a little paranoid. You you sort of get detached. Uh, but it affects people differently. You, you know, some people don't get any of those things, and well, I guess some people it helps. I've gotten a lot more done uh, with my wife cracking the whip. You know, without weed. Uh, without weed. You know, I've I've been working on this book. For like seven years yeah. about my life as a comedian and all this stuff. That seven years, uh, yeah. I mean, it's I, I started it. I it, I wasn't sure where it was going. Everything yeah. has come into focus about you know my what I had to deal with about getting over the the grief. In oh, that's my life. great. So, like, where how where are you at with it? How close are you to finishing the book? I'm going through the second draft right now, so I'm cutting the fat off of the pork chop. I got a few uh, friends. Oh my God, your buddy Jerry Stahl, when I saw him, when I was hanging out with you guys at the comedy store, yeah. he helped me tremendously. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was talking to him. And so he's like, you know, well, tell me what your story is, you know? And so we're talking, and, and it's, you know, from having conversations with people like him and a few other writer friends of yeah. mine, I've been able to flesh out, like, kind of. Because I was trying to tell too much of the story. Right. So I was telling him about my life. And, you know, after the the, the sitcom, I had the money. And I looked at that as my NBC artist grant. And I started taking trips to Europe. And that's how I got in with the worldwide 
comedy circuits and just, you know, and I'm telling him all about my life. And I said, listen, you know, I, I just uh, tried to clean up chapter seven and chapter seven is 70,000 words and the or, or something like that. Then the Great Gatsby was only sixty thousand words. And Jerry goes, uh, "Sounds like you had a more interesting life than Gatsby." <laughs> <laughs> and then he also said, "It sounds like you have more than one book in you." Yeah. So uh, that was very helpful. You don't have to tell the whole story, right? You know? Right. Yeah, that is helpful. But like all these early things that happened to me on the road when I first went on the road. Um, like crazy stories that I tried to just trying to jam everything in there, and you don't have to jam everything. Well, that's I think that's what book. a first draft is for. Yeah, and then you know just kind of weed them out. You know, kind of put them in different files. That's for the other book. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, nothing nothing will be lost. Sure. I mean, uh, another writer friend of mine told me that. Just, yeah. Just know that in the future things will be used because you know uh, I I was I was maced the first time I went to Paris. I almost drowned in Thailand. Yeah. These... I had my own late night talk show on Dutch television in Amsterdam. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then all this epic story about um, uh, losing the people I love the most in life and then yeah. still trying to maintain a sense of humor sure. as a comedian. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, a pretty epic story. Yeah. I, well, that could be one story. They, the, the road tales could, you know, dealing with grief and dealing with that. That the whole process of, of processing the deaths uh, and also getting clean and sober yourself. That's a, that could be one whole book. Yeah. So you got the book going that and the new podcast is, did you, is it uh, renamed or anything? I, uh, it's uh, Tom Rhodes radio smart camp, oh. which comes from uh, our mutual friend, Jack Bulware. Whenever, he, whenever he and I get together, we call it smart camp because we talk about books and, Oh yeah, whatever we've been into uh -huh. since we've last seen each other. I haven't talked to him in a while. I saw him last week. How is he? Beautiful guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing great. He's doing good. Yeah, yeah. I guess I should. Yeah, we don't talk as much as we used to. I don't know why. Well, you're busy. I guess. You're I busy. maybe I don't reach out to people. I I feel, I feel like I'm I'm isolated. It is busy. You always and, let us reach out to you, but you but know it's weird. if you were. Because, uh, but I don't reach out to anybody. It's not like there's a there's a crew. I mean, Jer like Jerry. You know, there are guys that I don't do much. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, like, what do I do? You got, you know, you have the, I, I've got Sarah, I've got comedy, and occasionally I'll go to some AA meetings, and I'll go see a movie, but I guess I don't differentiate between work and, and doing things, but I guess it is. Yeah, and I'm I see busy. you at the comedy store. Right. You but know. It, like, I, you know, like, I feel like I'm getting to a point where I, I, I'm going to have a new house, like have people over, do that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I don't know why, and people don't talk as much as they used to because you text you know, you don't get on the phone. Like, I used to do that with people. Well, you and I, you know, we... we yeah, I see yeah. you. But, like, the fact that, you know, Jack and I... Christ, Jack was at both my weddings. You know, there was a little tension years ago, but, like, I thought we got through it. But I don't... Like, I just reached out to my old buddy Sam, who I... I just don't talk to people enough. I'm not in a regular rotation of talking to guys. You know, maybe just a couple, but I guess that's all you got, right? Yeah, but, I mean, people understand, you know, you're busy. I guess. Yeah, I just gave but you an I'm, excuse. See, I'm an enabler. No, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. But I feel I'm feeling bad myself. Like that's part of being like and also part of my job is talking to people. So like I do get satisfied in terms of conversation. Right. So some of so most of us have to do this with our best friends <laughs> yeah. that you do with people all the time. Just be strangers. Strangers, yeah. man. So well it's good seeing you. Great it's great seeing you too. Um I'm glad you're doing well or that you're uh engaged and healthy. 
and uh you know sober and writing and doing comedy around the world yeah man i uh you know uh i'm i'm very happy in life i the the, the further you know, I tell people who've gone through different tragedies uh, and losing people they love that, you know, you're never going to fully get over it. They're right. just degrees of better. Yeah. And now that I'm so many years past it, I'm, you know, very happy in life, very, um, very creative. My wife is a photographer. We push each other to be uh, creative in our best selves. Yeah. Uh, as cheesy as that sounds. Um, and then I want to, I want to say the last thing. Um, yeah. I just played at this beautiful theater in Paris, uh, Theater La Ouvre. Yeah. I can't pronounce it. Yeah. It's French for masterpiece. Yeah. How do you say Ouvre? Ouvre? Ouvre. Something like that? That's it. I'm not good. I don't know. La Ouvre. Yeah. Uh, I'm booked back at this theater on October 15th, and I'm going to film my next hour special there. So if any listener... Uh, I'm working on that now. Uh-huh. Uh, who's going to uh, produce it? Cool. So uh, if anybody's looking for a happy trip to Paris. Yeah, and, uh, you, want to, and you want that to involve Tom Rhodes. Why not? I, I'm, I'm, why on, not? I'm on board. Why not? I'll tell you about Danton and <laughs> nice things about the French Revolution. Is that, oh, is that going to be? No, and Voltaire. Voltaire said that God is a comedian performing in front of an audience too afraid to laugh. Obviously, God had also performed at Yuck Yucks in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good seeing you, man. Thanks, Thanks for man. coming by. I love you, Mark. Love you, too. All right, that was me and Tom. Me and Tom Rhodes. Go listen to Tom Rhodes on Tom Rhodes Radio. And uh, look at his comedy. Go, go, go find some Tom Rhodes. So, Scott Thompson, I have not... Uh, we run into each other a lot. I haven't seen him in a while. I didn't know that he'd gone through some stuff that we talk about. He's, you know, he, he had some health issues and, uh, you know, and he's good. He's back and he's uh, revived his Kids in the Hall character, Buddy Cole, and is performing new Buddy monologues across the U.S. and Canada. He's also re-released Buddy Cole's autobiography, Buddy Babylon, and he's back at it. Scott is back at it. He's had an, a, a, a pretty great career in show business and it was it was great to talk to him. So this is me and... Scott Thompson, uh, again, one of the uh, last interviews in the original garage. You say you got a lot of books? Yeah, I have a lot of books. I have a big library. Like like where? where in where Toronto. You? So you're living in Toronto now? No, no, I'm here. I'm here, but I, I rented a year and a half ago. I moved back and I rented my apartment out and I'm yeah. giving it a couple of years. To, I'm giving it one more shot. Oh, yeah? Yeah. To be here? Mm-hmm. And 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 how's that feeling? Great. <laughs> it actually feels great. Yeah, things are going amazing. How long were you away for? Eight years. You were in you were in Toronto mm-hmm. for eight years. Yeah, yeah, nine years almost. Yeah, I went back in two thousand and nine. Uh, I had cancer, so I had to go home. I had no health care, so I had to go home to get cured. What kind of cancer? I had large B cell non Hodgkin's gastric lymphoma. Oh my god! So it's god. like non Hodgkin's lymphoma in the stomach. So. I, am I wrong in thinking that that's one of the cancers that they have some success with? Obviously? Yes. The lymphomas and all the liquid cancers are doing great with. Yeah. Uh, like leukemia, lymphoma. Yeah. yeah. Those ones, they've made enormous strides the last 10 years. So yeah. I, I lucked out getting that one. Yeah. And uh, I had a cancer that was very aggressive. But the other th- ironic thing about, about the cancer I had is that because it's so aggressive, yeah. it'll kill you really fast. Yeah. But if you catch it early, 
you can kill it. Oh, really? So it's one of those things, the slower ones, the ones they call the indolent cancers, yeah. they're harder to cure. Yeah. And sometimes, many of them you can never cure. You just manage them. You manage them. Yeah. But this one is like a fire. And if you hit it really hard, you can just, you can kill it. So this was, you, you found out you had cancer in 2009? Mm-hmm, April. That's when I started the podcast, well, in September. So oh, okay. you, you've been away for that long. That long, yeah. yeah. So you're just here, were you working? I went back home to, first of all, I had to go back home but and how'd get how'd you find cured. out you had cancer? Hmm? How'd you find out you had cancer? Well, I woke up one morning and I had pain in my stomach. And that was it. Just but like it was that. like, but you knew that this was not regular absolutely, pain. Absolutely, yes. No, sh- oh, I absolutely knew. And the funny thing is, we were writing um, "Death Comes to Town," the kids in the hall. Um, yeah. That show we did in two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten, our mini series about yeah. death. Yeah. And Bruce and I and and Kevin were breaking the story down, and I showed up like you know, the first week and said, "I got this pain in my stomach. It's no. bugging me." Yeah. And. I knew it. I knew it was serious. And I was very lucky because I went early yeah. right to the doctors. Yeah. And they told me it was like um, acid reflux. And I said, no, I know what that is. Yeah. And then they they started, you know, they put me on something for a week or so. And I went, no, it's not, it's not, it's not, um, it's still there. Yeah. And then they put a camera down my throat, down my stomach. Yeah. And they found, and then I woke up and they said, your stomach's full of blood. You're going in the hospital. And that was the end of it. And I was home in a week. So, oh yeah, because you didn't have any coverage here. That's right. But I had one month left on my Screen Actors Guild. Oh. So I got my first treatment uh, here at Cedar sinai which was remarkable. And then I was sent the bill, and it was $49,000 oh for my first treatment. I, I It was covered, but it was shocking. And I realized, like, if I had, if, if you put all my treatment together, my, I was like a half a million dollars. That's crazy. And that is crazy crazy and and what now how how was the care in canada oh it was great it was amazing because you know i've been gone for a long time and and uh i thought they wouldn't bring me back they wouldn't accept me but my brother pulled a few strings and they they slipped me back into the system so i didn't miss any treatment i started my treatment here then i went home the next day or two days later yeah and and then i started it right away and i, I went through um so the next six months i got treated how many treatments uh, six mm-hmm. chemotherapy treatments and um, 30 radiation treatments. No kidding. Yeah. Radiation's every day, uh, and my, my chemotherapy was every three weeks. So your brother's got some pull in the healthcare? Uh... Well, my brother works in the healthcare industry. Is he a yes. doctor? No, he's an administrator. Oh, oh. Hospital administrator. Even better. <laughs> yeah, even better. <laughs> yeah, so It's that... one of those family connections you hope you never have to need use. Yeah, it really was a good one. I didn't expect I'd have to use it because I didn't expect I'd ever... I didn't expect I would get cancer. I, 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 you know, you, you, something's going to get you. Yeah, absolutely. But I thought my family were, were a heart and stroke people. Oh, yeah. We're not, we're <laughs> you, not, we're not cancer people. You come from old school heart yeah, and stroke people. Exactly. So, you know, our arteries <laughs> clog up. You know, I was more likely... I thought this must maybe we're gout people. We're yeah. not cancer people. <laughs> uh, you know, you so. broke the you you broke the pattern. I did. Oh, and, then, and it was a, it was a, so I went home and uh, your folks still alive? Yes, my folks are still alive. So uh, my, I got longevity on my side. Oh, that's good. And I need it now. Yeah. I really need it because yeah. of the damage that's been done from the radiation. Oh, yeah, and uh, but you know, I, I it was amazing. So after I was better. I decided I would um, start over again, and so I started really working at stand-up. How many? How many siblings do you have? 
four brothers, one's gone, but I have five, there were five boys. Were they, are they all in Toronto? Or are they mm-hmm. all, so yeah. was everybody rallying around? Yes. Yes, they were. Yeah. <laughs> That's very <laughs> Don't sweet. be such a baby. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good cancer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that must have been nice, though. It must have been nice to be it around was. family. And it was good. And you know, it was a really, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I really wish it hadn't happened, but it did allow me to rebond with my family, see my parents a lot more. My mom has Alzheimer's now, so those years were really really good because oh. now she doesn't really know who I am. Is that true? Yeah, she really doesn't. Oh. No. I mean, she knows that I'm someone that she loves, but she doesn't quite know how she loves me. So sometimes she confuses it uh-huh. and she <laughs> thinks I'm <laughs> yeah, a uh, lover. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> I hear that happens a lot, though. <laughs> it does. It certainly happens a lot with her. <laughs> it happens a lot with her. She'll put her hand on my knee and go, oh, <laughs> you're a good looking man. I'm like, well... You're sort of as sort of a. I'm I'm sort of your son. Oh, I'm too young to have children. Oh, really? Because you think she's like eleven. Oh, really? And and then she'll go, okay, ma, really, and then and then usually I fuck her. I mean, what what are you gonna do, Mark? It's your mom, right? Finally, (laughs) finally, yes. (laughs) No one would fault me. No one would fault me for doing that. You had it coming. (laughs) And then I decided. When I was uh, sick, I'm going to do stand-up because I've yeah. got nothing to be afraid of anymore. I've always dabbled with it, right? but I never took it seriously. So what was the process for that? So like, how, how were you, like, because I, I've seen you on stage doing things, but doing, I mean. But, yeah, but I would never call myself a stand-up until now. Uh-huh. I would have called myself an actor who dabbled. Sketch performer, Sketch comic perform- actor. Comic actor. Right, yeah. And, or one-man show guy. You oh, know, yeah, you did one-man show. Did a lot of one-man shows. Yeah, that was the angle. It used to be the thing. This yes, is... but one-man shows are where you you, know, you look up to the audience and your hands are down by your side uh-huh. and you've got, a, you've got a body mic. That's not the same thing. No. Well, what was the one-man shows? It reminded me of some of your one-man shows. Well, one was called um, The Lowest Show on Earth, uh-huh. and that was um, all about uh, how humans are... are are disgusting, mm-hmm. and it's all about how all it's just basically wallowing all all the terrible things that human beings do. Yeah, and um, oh, that's good. I did twelve characters, and they're all dealing with violence. Mostly, it was about violence. Really, how did I miss this? I, I don't. Well, here's what happened with that show. It was supposed to go to New York City. Yeah, um, I was supposed to open in New York on December. No, is it December? Is this a nine eleven story? Yes, it is a nine eleven story. Yeah. September the eighteenth. Anytime it starts with, I was supposed to yeah. New York, September eighteenth, two thousand and one. Yeah. Where the reason that didn't work is it came out. Yeah, one week later. Yeah, right. So there was like a bunch of us that fa- that went down. That that there was like I think Macy Gray had a new album. I think Mariah Carey had a new album. Michael Jackson, <laughs> and then me. No one remembers me. I'm one of the. I'm one of the. The you know, lost performers. The lost performers. The post nine. And my posters went up in New York on the. 10th oh my god and i'll tell you mark you would have seen this show because they are the it's the best poster i've ever done and if 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 that bastard hadn't taken those towers down i would have become a superstar oh really that was on the 11th and macy gray would have had that second album absolutely and and mariah carey wouldn't have had that breakdown on mtv later (laughs) and my poster was me with a shaved head and five thousand people would still be alive Oh yeah, and that too. Oh yeah, those. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about them. Yeah, that's true. But I had a big. It was a, a such a rock and roll poster. I had a shaved head. Yeah. But it looks like I've been slapped. My head's like smacked back. Yeah. And there's a big glob of cum dripping down my my face, and it's just dripping off the end of my chin. Really? And, and they that put was, that they put that poster up. Did they not know it was 10, cum? Ten thousand posters. But didn't they say like, is that cum? Well, I told them it was shampoo. It was a conditioner. Shampoo. Oh, so, really? It, it was. 
well, there was some cum in it. Yeah. Sort of like homeopathic. There was a tiny bit of cum. Right. But then I kept but they put it diluting up. it. But they, they did. And I think it would have been a, a scandal yeah. if, if um, the towers hadn't come down. That the, what, the poster was up? Yeah. yeah. I think oh. <laughs> it was really, there's pictures of me in New York looking really sad and dusty in front of my poster and everyone walking by it, completely ignoring it. Yeah. Well, they, I guess they had other things to think about. I, um, yeah, I think they did. I think they, I think they did, Scott. I think it was a bad day for a lot of it people. It was a bad day for me. It was but, a bad but day. But very day for you, I know. It was I a mean, bad day it, for it was me. rough. And then the next po- the next show I did was five years later. Was based- I remember seeing you in a very... Wasn't there a period there where you were very butch? Yeah. In- yeah. <laughs> was Catastrophe, it? I think I was really butch. Yeah, which one was that? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I mean I'm, I'm sometimes butch, sometimes fey. I... I but no, you dressed like there was a period there where like oh yeah, well I had this character Tijan yeah right sure. he was a real hardcore French Canadian guy yeah oh yeah super yeah, macho yeah uh, I, I was having a, a crisis about the masculinity so I was I was thinking that everybody was putting me in a in a, in a box so I wanted to be a masculine so I had this period when I was playing really butch characters yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that 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 didn't work out so well. <laughs> You know, anyway, you must have met some interesting people. I did, I did, I did. <laughs> you must have learned something about yourself. I did, I did, I did. And now, you know, now I'm now I'm much more. What's the word? What am I now? Oh, I'm what the kids call gender fluid. Are you gender fluid? <laughs> yeah. What does that mean exactly? I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know. I don't know. I just say it so that people won't think that I'm old. Oh, good. That's nice. You're, you're keeping up. You're keeping up with the new, the fresh lingo. Though. Yes, I'm. I'm woke. Yeah. Oh, good. Good for you. Good for you. You're woke, and you survived cancer. And yeah, uh, I survived cancer. And you're gender fluid. I'm gender fluid. I'm woke. I eat poke. I'm. I'm like. I'm doing everybody's poke. Poke. Is it poke? I would think so. Oh God, man! I can't believe I said it for the first time in in your life. And he said poke. on radio, and I said poke. Yeah. It's not poke. Is it it's, po- it's it is pokey. Pokey. Like Pokemon. Yeah. Like the Pokemon. Yeah. And it's Hawaiian, right? That's the hot yeah, new yeah. food right now, right? I guess it is. You know, I, I first ate it years ago when I went to Kauai, and I thought it was great. There mm-hmm. was a place down in Kauai uh-huh. that did a seared poke, a seared oh. uh, tuna. Because like, the tuna, the, that type of tuna, uh-huh. uh, is like uh, it's like pigeons in the water down there. Like, there, okay. there's a lot of it. Right. So it's very fresh, and they so, just quick sear it, and then they put some sesame oil on it. So usually it's not cooked at all, but I, that's where I first encountered it down there. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's, I'm surprised it's everywhere. It's kind of. I am too. I am creeps surprised. me out. It's like raw fish. All of a sudden, raw fish is in strip malls, and but, it's okay. But I mean, why is it not sushi? Because it's prepared differently. It's a, usually it's almost like a salad, right? You so you you chi- you dice it up and right. you toss it with a little, I think, uh, sesame oil and some other stuff. Usually, right. there's a seaweed component. Uh-huh. It's more like a sashimi treated. Oh, okay. uh, but I, you just said you ate it. You don't eat it. <laughs> you made that up. I did make that up. Yeah. <laughs> I made that up. <laughs> do you eat sushi? I do like sushi. Yes, I, you would like poke. Yeah, I, I, I like sushi. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So, all right. So, like, I think I, you and uh, who, who haven't I? Bruce, you haven't done Bruce. I know. I, or feel, I don't think you've done Mark. Yeah, he's the odd one, right? My, I, I would say that. Yes, he's the odd <laughs> one. You got a lot out of Dave. Yeah, I think that that turned into be a pretty provocative. I, I think bit that, of business that, with his that marriage was, and everything. I think more people heard that podcast than saw death comes to town i'm yeah. pretty sure well it made news in canada because it, it of the divorce news. stuff yes do you still talk to everybody oh yeah all the time yeah, yeah. like we didn't talk about the other show so you which so the 
The one with the come on the face yeah. violence one. And the next one, the next one was called Catastrophe, and that was a show that was, the premise was really horrible. The premise was that Osama bin Laden took down the towers to ruin my last show. So that's what the premise of that show. That was, was really a. Yeah. And how did that go <laughs> that over? That everybody else was collateral damage just so that I wouldn't go to the next level. And it, you did that show? <laughs> yeah. How'd that go over? You know, it was it was a very interesting show. Um, how did, well, it was, uh, it had a lot of other aspects in it. It was also, a lot of it was about the, the death of my brother. It was a serious show. How'd your brother die? Well, he killed himself. So it was about my, it was about my relationship with my brother and... Um, when did that happen? That happened in 1995. Was he... He was schizophrenic. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So was he in his 20s? He was 34. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah. And, and how, what's the age difference between you? One two? year. Irish really? twins. Yeah. So yeah. the schizophrenia hit in his 20s? It hit earlier. It hit when he was about uh, 17. And um, in one year, he just became a different person. And um, But in those days, people didn't really understand schizophrenia really no and also there was a lot more shame around mental illness uh-huh. and in my family because we were all men and it was such a a, 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 a a masculine like you don't show any emotion kind of a family really yeah um people were just thinking that he was showing off because i was like wait a second i'm the weirdo you're the jock right why are you pretending you're christ i'm christ right. you're not christ <laughs> yeah you can't why are you reading these books yeah that's my territory and um because we were very very different we were raised together we lived in the same room yeah we, we shared bunk beds i mean yeah. i was with him my whole life and then he 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 left but he was a very good looking very very masculine yeah very, very athletic yeah, a guy like women loved him. Yeah, and he could do it. He could play any sport, and then suddenly he became this weirdo, and I was threatened because I was the weirdo, and because I, you didn't know what was going on. You know, thought he I, was just doing it on purpose. Yes, yeah. and I and I was not. I I was not um, sympathetic. Yeah, uh, I was not. I was not a good brother. And and then what happened was about five years into it, it was just it was really really awful. And um, like, like, what were the what were the symptoms? He thought. Well, he had a lot of, you know, he thought he was Jesus Christ, uh-huh. that he was the reincarnation of Christ, that he was going to rewrite all of Shakespeare's works. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's my job. Yeah, he was going to write all. He t- I remember one time he brought me into the basement and he told me he had Jesus had told him that he was going to rewrite all of Shakespeare's works. Uh huh. And because this is insane, that he wanted more tanks. Uh huh. And he was going to rewrite like um, one of the and put tanks into it into like, Shakespeare. Into Shakespeare. That's what Shakespeare was missing. He didn't have any tanks. Yeah. And, 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 and that is true. The reason there are no tanks. Reasonable update. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, in a way, I mean, didn't they do one that took a, a version of Richard, one of the Richards in Germany, Nazi Germany? Didn't they do that with? Uh, I think so. Oh yeah. And also they had and they redid um. Jay Austin, they put in vampires. Sure, it, right. So, so you, why so not? You, why wouldn't you believe that he was infringing on your creative world? That when he, it seemed like a reason. Well, see now, now that he's gone, yeah. I've taken on his work, and I am putting, uh, I am rewriting all of Shakespeare's <laughs> works, and I am putting tanks into everything except for Romeo and Juliet. I just don't think they need it. In well, that I, one. I think you're right, and I think it's a beautiful homage to your brother's I creativity. I think so, yeah. and it'll, it'll take the rest of my life to do. Well, we got at least you have something to do. I have something to do. 
And then don't talk about it too much. But <laughs> no, you're right. I don't. This is not many people are listening. Yeah, yeah, listen, no, right? no, yeah. So uh, and then he got hit by a car. He had a very, very um, tough life, and so he was in a coma for a long time. Oh my god! And then he was supposed to. He, we thought he wasn't going to make it. Then when he came out of the coma, he had um, development. He was developmentally handicapped. He talked funny and he moved oh my God. funny and he had the mental problem. and and we all thought this is what how 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 stupid our family was we thought that the the car accident might have kicked the schizophrenia out oh like, no I, I, well, that was my it. first thought did he wake up normal yeah that's what we were hoping because we're thinking oh he's gonna w- when he finally gets back on his feet he'll walk funny and he'll talk funny but he will be normal but it turned out no so then he was a guy who was handicapped yeah and had schizophrenia Mm. so that was rough very 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 rough and so when he when he and then he finally couldn't you know he just things got really bad really really bad and um, but he lived a long time with it he did he did was he on medicine yes he was and this is one of the this is the medication they put him on uh it made him gain a lot of weight, uh-huh. and he was a beautiful guy. Yeah, and I honestly think that was the—that's what did it. The vanity. He, yeah, I, my family's very vain, hmm. and um, I think that might have been part of it. I think he looked at himself and he's—he was getting fat and he drooled. And yeah, he just—he couldn't handle it. And, yeah, and he—and I think he realized. And an interesting thing was the medication cleared his head a little bit and allowed him to face. His reality, and I don't. I think, in a strange way, it killed him. Yeah, because he realized, oh, I have nothing. I'm going to be my whole my family and the and the government is going to have to take care of me the rest of my life. I'll never have a family. I'll never have a job. I'll never have. And I so he he jumped out of his window. Um, Oh my god! So so, like that. That's that's so like on some level, the medication made it worse. Yes, except that he he was controllable. Yes. That, yes, and I mean, you know, and I think now they've made a lot of they've made a lot of progress in in those medications. Uh-huh. They don't have as many side sure. effects. Yeah, but he had some very serious oh, side effects. And um, yeah, well, now so, so since you come from that type of family, that yeah. kind of a repressive, like how how did they handle your gayness? Oh, not well. <laughs> oh no, not well. My, my family, you know, and it, when did it? When did well? You I come came. Up? I came out late in life. Um, which I is, think I remember when you came out. I, I think I came out to you, Mark. I think yeah, you were the it, first person I told. No, wasn't it news? Like, wasn't it in like the... <laughs> no, ad- it wasn't news. It wasn't? No, it wasn't. No, God, no. Wasn't like the cover of The Advocate? No, are you kidding me? It's still never been... I've still never been in The Advocate. That's no, crazy. They're not interested in me. Why wouldn't they be? What are they Gay men now? aren't interested in other gay men. Oh, no? No, unless they're porn stars or drag queens. Okay. Otherwise, <laughs> no. If they go around regular clothes, yeah. no. Okay. If you're no. just a gender-fluid, middle-aged no, man. A, a, a gender-fluid, middle-aged man. Everybody wants that, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody wants a piece of it's that. It's the hot new thing. <laughs> Long, flowing, gray hair, you know what I mean? Soft jaw lines. Yeah, yeah. It's great. So it's everyone, everyone loves that now. Everyone's into that. No. When no. did you come out? I came out in... Um, uh, I was a... Um, I guess... Eighty-three. Where were you in college? Toronto. Uh, I was in York University. I did. I, I went to acting school, and I still didn't come out. Like that's how closeted I was. I, I went. I had a girlfriend and everything. Half the guys were gay, and I still wouldn't come out. You had a girlfriend? 
Excuse me. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. How that? I, I did it. I, 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 you know, sex, sure, everything. Go. You did ball the whole of thing? wax. Yeah. You've seen a vagina. You've dealt with. I've it. dealt with yes vaginas. Yeah, and that wasn't the not. That's not the only vagina. Yeah, that, that I dealt with. But that's nice. <laughs> what I mean, only I dealt with it. Yeah, like it was like 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 you know like a broken ankle. No, my there are some gay men that just have never. They call them gold star fags. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> is that true? Yeah, gold star fag is a guy never, who's never had sex with a woman. But like, just get, not even seen a vagina. Never close. even seen one. Yeah, like up close. Like here's a, and it creates a certain discomfort in. Them. I think so. You need to see it. I'll tell you something. You were we were talking about my one man shows. Yeah. In one of the one man shows, um, the one that we were talking about, the yeah. one that was going to New York. I mean, it was a crazy show. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was about terrorism, so yeah. it would have had a. It was crazy. I mean, I had a whole moment about Osama bin Laden. Well, why were you? What 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 drove you to to that subject matter? Oh well, uh, well, um, okay. We'll get back to the other part. Yeah. Later, okay. Sure. Uh, well, <clears throat> I was firebombed by um, an Islamic fundamentalist group. Yeah. Many years ago. Yeah. A year year before nine eleven. Uh huh. And that's what inspired me to write a show about terrorism. So the show that I was supposed to open in New York was actually a comedy show about terrorism. You were firebombed. You were targeted. I was targeted. Where? In West Hollywood. Really? Uh huh. Why were you targeted? Because my boyfriend was a filmmaker. Uh huh. And he made a movie called Uncle Saddam. Uh-huh. And I wrote it. It was a documentary about the... So they had a a, 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 a thing on you? A fatwa. A fatwa on yeah. you. Him. Him. But I was collateral damage. And I mean, I guess... You oh, were... God, maybe now I'll get one. But they, they, they attacked us. And this is before 9-11. This is before the world changed. So what happened was they came to our house at night and they... They um, filled those giant, you know, the giant garbage. Uh, yeah, those, recycle bins. The recycle bins yeah. with gasoline. What? Set them on fire. They covered the house with red paint like blood. So it dripped off like blood. And they put a note inside the house that said, in the name of Allah, the merciful and compassionate, burn this satanic film or you will be dead. And they underlined dead in case yeah. we didn't take it seriously. And that's what we woke up to. And that was the year but before. Was it, but they didn't light the things on fire? Oh yeah, they lit the the bonfire. It was a it was a nightmare, and they and and they were just terrorizing us. But the thing was, the police took hours to arrive. No one believed us. They didn't. No one had any idea what we were talking about. Right. Like my boyfriend said, it's Islamic fundamentalists, and I remember the cops going, "What is that?" This is how different the what world. What year was. was that? It was two thousand. Just two thousand. The year before. Wow. November first, two thousand. And this didn't. Did this make news? Very small, like a tiny little story, and I wasn't. My name was not in it. His name was in it, and um, my father saw it in Canada. But it was pre nine eleven, so, so it, it disappeared. And then I wrote a show about terrorism, and then I took it to New York, and then Osama bin Laden struck. So, so these people were American based, yeah, probably fundamentalist Muslims who who we, were who, filling out it, who were yeah. honoring a fatwa against your boyfriend, yeah. and set your house on fire. The, they, not the house. They put. They set the garbage cans on fire on the lawn. Oh, okay. okay. And they covered the house with paint. So it's like that rare version of a burning cross. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. And terror. The blood. The red. The red paint was the blood. Yeah. And then the note was the death. That is crazy. It's terrifying, and no one really understood. And I had no one to really. Um, 
I, 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 there was nobody that I could really relate relate to because what they happened. were probably like, oh, it's a prank, or and everyone's was like, oh, Scott, you exaggerate all the time. Drama, oh, why would drama. that happen to you? Right, and then, and then when everything, when things like that happen to me, I usually turn to art. Yeah. So I thought I'm going to write about terrorism, and the first piece that I wrote was about Buddy Cole, my character Buddy Cole, yeah. going to Afghanistan to <laughs> take on the Taliban. Yeah. Because it was right after they'd blown up the giant Buddhas. Yeah. And I and Buddy was like, Well, can I do Buddy? Is that yeah. right? Buddy is like, I mean, it's one thing to kill people. Everybody does that. <laughs> but giant statues of Buddha, that's just fat shaming. <laughs> so I became obsessed with Osama bin Laden and the Taliban. Uh-huh. And and the very first piece I wrote was about the Taliban and Buddy taking on the Taliban and firebombing. And then he goes to Afghanistan to buy anthrax uh-huh. because he hears that it smells really pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and he meets Saddam Hussein's son, Uday. Sure. And he's kidnapped by Uday. And they have sex. Well, uh-huh. he's, he's raped by Sure. Him. And um, in an underground palace with yeah. Saddam Hussein. So all these things happened that all kind of came true in a way. Yeah. And then that was my show. And then, so when New York happened, I mean, when it happened. That was the was, show you had in the chamber. Yes. Can when you, the, ready to fire. Yeah. And and then that happened. And I was like, God, we were talking about Jung earlier. It's like, I realized that in, there was a period in my life when I was very close yeah. to that, you know, collective unconscious. The synchronicity thing. I really believe that. And I really believe that there was, there was a lot of stuff in the air that, people certain people could capture i know i think that's true like i think because you i think you see it like it happened to me in a dream like where mm-hmm. you have a dream and then you wake up and something in your day that could not have been forecasted yeah happens that's relative to your dream I, absolutely and that was it i was having dreams i was just I, I felt like almost like i was in a storm like a psychic storm did your relationship survive the firebombing no hmm. did not i mean he went he went into hiding and I didn't see him for six months. And they tried to kill him a few more times. Really? Yeah. God, I, I guess this was reported, but I don't it know. It was, but it never got really reported. Is he all right now? Yes. He's doing very well. Oh, mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. So getting back to, uh, oh, yeah. you, we were moving from vaginas to the violence. Oh, yes. That show, the, cli- yeah. the, 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 the climax of that show, the, I guess the, the encore yeah. piece was with, for Buddy Cole. Yeah. The show began with Buddy Cole in Afghanistan. Yeah. And it ended with Buddy Cole exploring a vagina because uh-huh. basically it was buddy going you know i've just done everything in the world you know what i mean i've 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 topped up nelson mandela's you know champagne you know he's done everything yeah i mean his mimosa it was a mimosa yeah. Scott. <laughs> anyways but he decided what have i not done and i guess buddy goes oh i've never really i've never really explored a vagina well he he know he'd had sex with one but he he had sex with her in in a state of like terror yeah it's like when you fuck someone you sh- it's like he fucked someone but as they were parachuting yeah. he thought I, I want to fuck someone like lying on the ground yeah. where the ground isn't shaking so it basically the encore was a beautiful woman coming yeah. on stage fully naked oh really and Buddy Cole exploring her it was a wild piece. And I would do it in clubs and the police, I had the police come to one of the clubs. Why? Because I would, I put her, her breast in my mouth and I'd suck her nipple and then I'd go look at her vagina and I'd spread her, her vagina. Who was this woman? She, she was an, uh, an actress uh-huh. who was, who, who was doing stripper, who uh-huh. was also stripping. Uh-huh. And I think she wanted to make daddy mad. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you had a good relationship with we her? We did. She was wonderful. And, and she was great. And she This was, show sounds crazy. It was a crazy, crazy show. And I mean, when, when, I'll tell you, when a beautiful woman comes on stage yeah. naked, yeah. wow, it just changes the temperature of the room. Like, Historically, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, but a male doesn't. Uh-huh. Like a male, a naked male in a weird way is almost comic. Yeah. But a naked female is a very different thing. First of all, it makes gay men nervous. Yeah. It makes women like mm, jealous. They're What's looking happening? at what they're yeah, fat. Yeah. And then straight men, well, they can't even talk. Right. And that um, is funny about the the observation about a naked man because then you're sort of like, oh, look, all you're going to do is look at his dick. Yeah, yeah. Look at that the dick. only person that's intimidated is the only one is gay men because they're like, mm, I like that. Well, straight men are sort of like, what's going on? Well, yeah, what's going on? But it, it make you know, it, it, homophobia will yeah. rear its ugly head. So, but, but it was a it was a wild, wild thing. In the end, I literally, I mean, I do, I, I we practically have sex. Mm. But that was what it was about. It was about that. You've got to, I've got to understand the vagina. I've got to um, get over my, not fear, I wasn't frightened of it, but I was like, I need to know more about this. Right, it, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily desire driven. No, and I and I didn't leave the sh- like it wasn't like when the show was over that oh yeah. I'm bisexual right. and gender fluid. Yeah, no, I remained gay and gender fluid. <laughs> but when you originally were dating women and you first experienced yes. the vagina, yes, uh, I, well, I was young. Yeah, you can you could. No, you, no, you I can fuck anything when you're young, <laughs> and I really liked her. Like we were really, we were, sure, we were really. Do you we know were in love? Yeah, and do you uh, know her now. Yes. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, I do. Absolutely. That's nice. Yeah, and I we we you know we didn't we didn't have sex a lot, right? And I was terrible. Yeah. Um, I you know I shouldn't say anymore. She's a married woman, has children, and I don't want to. But you know, yeah. yes, we're friends. Absolutely. So. And and well, you said your family didn't handle it well at first. Did you ever do that with a cock? Did you ever go? I really should understand what it's like to sure. You know, it, it, but have sex it, but, with a man. But I think there was something that you know. I it, it's sort of like you know. It, do I want to try something that uh, you know might change my life permanently, or am I okay? Right. right where, exactly. <laughs> Because if it turned, if let's say you discovered, oh, I may be a little uh, bi, that's a huge difference. But if I'm a gay guy and I discover that, oh, maybe I could have sex with women, that brings me up in status. Right? Yeah, I don't know, does it? But being gay, you fall. I don't know. Like, oh, I, God, I, yes. Maybe not now the same way, but yeah. I'll never get, I can't get over, I can't get over my childhood. Right. Well, there's a feeling that like for me, like there's a lot of things I think I just don't, you know, I don't, like, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's repression or if it's just sort of protecting myself. Like, you know, I don't so get you're it. afraid that maybe you might, well, you sure, might, might enjoy it. Of course, why wouldn't why I? Why wouldn't you? But but so but but the thing is, is like, do you do I want to you know change my life that much? Right. But it, it comes with like a new car or anything. Yeah, you know, do I want to start doing whatever? Like, it, what, I don't think I'm holding myself. So back. You're telling me that I should have made a play for you 20 years ago. <laughs> When you were doing drugs, no. maybe, is that what you're telling I me? I think college would have been that. That would have been the time. College is when I would have, I could have had you. Yeah, yeah, I think so. College. Okay. Yeah, at least you could have had me for like half of a thing. What, like, what I, would I, I would have maybe gotten halfway through it and said, "Like, I got no, no, I can't." Oh my god, what am I now? So you would. <laughs> what would we have done? What do you think? I don't know. I don't know you that well. I don't know what you do. <laughs> You'd probably do whatever you could. I would do whatever I could, yes. I would do whatever I could. <laughs> whatever you got to get away with, you would do. Yeah, I get, you're right. When it, you're, well, exactly. 
you wouldn't. Um, yeah, whatever. I, whatever was on the table, I would eat whatever was put in front of me. I know this isn't a buffet. You eat whatever's in front of you. <laughs> whatever this kid's gonna offer. Whatever he's comfortable with for ten oh, minutes. Offers me a Brussels sprout. Yep, you gobble it down. <laughs> but what? How did your family respond? Terrible. They actually. Um, disowned me. Isn't that hilarious? Really? Well, you think about today. How does that even happen? I know. My father said, you're no longer part of this family. Really? Yeah. How old were you? 23. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. We've come a long way. Um, and that didn't last long. It lasted about six months. Yeah. Before. And then your mother talked to My sense mother of- <laughs> said, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't care. Oh, Philip, please. <laughs> You've got another gay son. Oh, I don't. What? I do. <laughs> I, she didn't know that at the time. You have two? I, I, there were two of us. Yeah. yeah. Which is the, which brother? My uh, One of my younger brothers. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He's gay too? Yeah. So two gay ones, two not yeah, gay Yeah, the ones? one who helped me, the, the hospital administrator. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, that's so. So you, but you couldn't team up because no. In was, fact, we were actually the least close growing up yeah. because I think we both suspected each other's secret. So yeah. therefore, we had to be really mean to each other so no oh. one would think that we shared anything. So I was terrible to him. Oh my god, terrible! No yeah. kidding. Yeah, and is that that's repaired itself? Obviously, yes. But it took a long time. And what about the other brother? Well, so there's four, and then the, the the one who there, passed away. Yes. Uh, the oldest brother was very, he was fine. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't fine when we were in high school. He was always like going, don't, he'd be like, you know, when we're in school, you don't say hi to me. You don't come <laughs> right. near me. Yeah. You pretend we don't know each other. Uh-huh. Yeah. But he's just living a normal life, straight man. Yeah. He's a, he was a good looking, smart, athletic guy. Yeah. Who, yeah. He's had a very. And then what about made, the, did, made a lot of money, worked in the banks. He's oh, a yeah. great guy. Funny. Hilarious. Yeah. And what about the other one? And then my other guy, my young, another my youngest brother. He's a he's a comedian uh, really? as well. Yeah, he in married, Canada. Yeah, he's uh, he he's an actor, and he and he and he's married and has children, and yeah, does that right for himself. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he's a very funny guy. So now, I you know some part of me thinks that you should, you know, kind of redo that show. Why won't you kind of uh, you know reproduce that? Well, you know, I've thought about it. Um, it, it, it is my. I, I have thought about it because after nine eleven, did you write it? Yes, you wrote it. I down? wrote it with Paul Bellini. He was my writing partner. And I, I basically what happened after nine eleven was we tried to redo it, but no one was interested after that. Sure, people were shocked and freaked out by it. Like, and I got into some trouble. Like people were. I can't. I'm not. I, I'm not really. I can't say too much. But, yeah. Um. He got into some trouble with um, the American government. And, oh yeah. Yeah. So, huh. So, uh, you know, um, I-, I would actually redo it. And it was about many, many things. It was about uh, high school shooting violence. It was about... Really? Just a, a lot of different kinds of violence. Well, you could sort of rework it, too. I could. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but but you're doing... So so you did that, and you did the one after that, and then and then you got sick? Uh, catastrophe was what I was doing when I got sick, yeah. yeah. And you were also working on the Kids in the Hall tour. Yes, yes, yes. And then after that, after I got better, I, that's when I decided I don't want to do anything where which has any um, f- feeling in it. <laughs> I just want to do comedy. Because you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do anything where people go, aww. Yeah, right. right. Oh, uh, you, so you, the, the one-man cancer show is out. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I definitely do a lot of comedy about cancer. Sure. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like it when... I don't like it when a comedian um, uh, gets um, serious uh-huh. or um, uh, maudlin. 
You know, and I know I understand. There's there's a lot of um, see. There's, there's a couple. Yeah, then you wouldn't have wanted to fuck me in my twenties. Were you a modeling guy? <laughs> Serious and modeling, oh, really sweaty. Yeah, but I, I, I like the sweaty part. Um, no, I would have. I remember meeting you many years yeah, ago, yeah. and I thought you were a very attractive. Guy. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, like at Largo or somewhere. Yes, right. Don't you remember we did that? We did that dumb. Um, game show? Oh, the Never Mind the Buzzcocks. Yeah, that's it. Oh, you were on there with me I was, once? yeah. Oh my God, it was so like hazy to me. Yeah, that's it. It was. It didn't never caught on, thank God. No, I don't even remember what it was about. Yeah, I don't. It was a music show. It was based yeah. on a British show. Yeah, and I hosted. I think we did like thirteen of them, and they paid me. I was in the middle of my first divorce. I was very like the week of shooting. I was ill. Yeah. Like I had the runs and I was feverish and I'd gotten all skinny. You were very thin. Yeah. I remember you were very thin. Yeah. I was like in, in my life was upside down. And I had to take that job yeah. because I needed money. I, was, I didn't want to do that. Well, I must say it didn't seem like a good fit. No. <laughs> no. It did not seem like a good fit. Oh, it was a disaster. <laughs> but uh, okay. So the comedy... So you 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 choose not to be modeling about it now. Again. I just what I like. I just like I like stand up a lot because I I just like how it's you just have to be funny all the time. And how are you working? Like oh, before we get onto this, did yeah. did any of the kids come up and see you? Yeah. When you were sick. Oh, they were wonderful because yeah. here's the thing. I was going through my treatment when we were making Death Comes to Town. Yeah. So when I mean I began the writing process with Kevin and Dave, yeah, and then I uh, Kevin and Ma and Bruce, yeah, and then I had to kind of take a bit of and I and I did it all through my treatment, and then I had to kind of take a bit of time off because I got really ill, yeah, and then they 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 based they they did the schedule around my treatment, uh -huh. so I finished my chemotherapy, and within ten days I started uh, principal shooting for the series. We shot for ten weeks, yeah, and and the day after. I finished shooting. I went into the hospital and started radiation. Oh. And I kept it together for like two months. You know, I never was hospitalized the whole time. I was, yeah. I would go into the hospital sometimes, but I was never overnight. I never had to go in overnight. Right. And how many episodes you do? We did eight. And I think that that was one of the things that kept me alive and saved my life because oh. I, had, I had, because it was like the kids in the hall, we are back together. Yeah. This is what I've been wanting forever and ever. And I had a purpose and I had something to pour my energy into, and and they were, you know, I could be modeling now though. Can't yeah, I? sure. They were um, they were wonderful. Yeah. And then when we did the final writing session, it was in Toronto, and they had a um, a bed set up for me on yeah. the floor, like a mattress. Uh huh. And so I would basically <laughs> lie on the floor, uh -huh. and they all would work, and there was other yeah. writers, and I would occasionally throw in stuff, and then I go back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Or I'd leave and I, I'd go off and vomit and then smoke some pot and come back yeah. and say something else. And then sometimes one of them would come and lie down with me. I mean, they were beautiful. Like, I, they were really, they were like, they were like perfect TV brothers. Mm -hmm. And and they were they were very kind with me. And I also, they, they also wanted to keep me alive for the, for the show. <laughs> and I understood that. They were like, we can't, he can't die i mean he can die after because <laughs> if he say, dies right after this we're gonna get some eyeballs on yeah. this show <laughs> well but you they, guys they, have known to see each other for so long yeah and, I mean, and and so they were they were absolutely wonderful yeah they were well because it seems to me that uh, despite or 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 even whatever has happened in all of your lives yeah. however you've grown up yeah it does seem that uh more so than most people who 
who who uh, you know came up in a collective that yes. you guys all seem to still like each other. We love each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know you're like, yeah, yeah, love. No, no, no. I know, but it is love. Yeah, I, that's the secret. That is our secret. We truly love each other. I mean, and, when, and how long ago? Like, when? Did, how old were you when that started? I was a kid. Yeah, and I'm the oldest. I mean, Dave was 18. Yeah. Um, we met. Oh, well, 25, 30 years ago? Uh huh. Uh huh. 85? Uh huh. That's how long ago is that? It's 15, 27, 30, 32. Uh huh. Holy fuck. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We've been together forever. And we've been together through everything like divorces and deaths and, you know, yeah. more divorces and <laughs> Dave's divorces and, yeah. <laughs> you know, th- th- your podcast about Dave's divorce. Yeah, yeah everything. We've been and, and we've just, we've done everything to each other. We've yeah. hit each other. We've, you know, we slept with each other's partners. We've done terrible things to yeah. each other. But there's nothing now that can destroy us. Yeah. We were like, we're at the point now where we're like, the you only leave in a hearse. Oh, yeah. It's like the mafia. Yeah. You leave in a hearse. And you stay in touch with people. Yes. Yeah. And we're hopefully going to do something soon. Yeah. And how was that that series, the death one, received? Well, I love it, but it no one saw it. Well, like everything in our our careers, we're always a little too ahead of the curve. But did, what about in Canada? Didn't it? It, it did it, well in Canada. Yeah. yeah. Here, it was on IFC. It was one of their very first offerings. Uh-huh. It didn't get an awful lot of attention. Well, well, I did a show on IFC for four seasons. It didn't get a lot of you, attention. You, I don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. You yeah, did. Yeah, I know. We got even... Less than you. Can you imagine, Mark? Less attention than I, your show. I don't even know if that's true. I, you did. You do not know that that's true. No, but you're getting a lot of attention for Glow. Yeah, you're yeah. excellent in Glow. Oh, thank you. I really love you in Glow. I appreciate that. And and so okay, so how are you approaching stand up? What are you doing? You're up in Toronto, and you were in before you came here. Yeah, were- what I did was I decided to re um re- basically reboot everything, and I decided to go back to back to the, um my roots. And well, I decided, I just started plugging myself into the Canadian, the, the Toronto stand-up scene. Yeah, what are the clubs there now? A million clubs. Yeah. A million alternative clubs. Sure. And, and the regular clubs, you know, yeah. your, you know yuck See, yucks and stuff. Sure. But I went through, I, I basically started, I would just show up to these places and yeah. be like, what the hell are you doing here? And I'm like, well, I'm going to do a set. Yeah. I was sort of like Moondoggy. Yeah. Like the old guy that can still yeah. surf. You sure, know what I mean? Man. Yeah. And... Um, so I just I do know what you mean. Yeah, well, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I just started over, and I went up very without with very little. I can um, never remember which town I'm in that has which clubs in Canada. You know, like it's Toronto, the one Comedy with, Bar is the big one that you probably know. That's the one where you go downstairs, and there's two rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I, it. It's yeah. sort of out a little bit. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I you did a to, lot of work there. Uh huh. Uh, Toronto has the, you know, they have that famous, the famous pot club. Have you ever been to that one? Yeah, yeah. I think I did. Was there once? Yeah. With the pit bulls running around on stage. Oh, I don't know. It's a wild place. It's like, yeah, I remember maybe you go there after you do a show. Yes. Yeah, yeah, That's the place. Right. So that's what happened. I just kept doing, and I just, I I started working material, and um, I just, and my goal was, I, 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 my plan was that when I get an act. Yeah. Because before, whenever I would do, I would do like Beth Lapidus's Uncabaret, that sort of thing, right? Oh my right? God, that's far back. Right? But she I, still sort of does she's it. She's still doing it, yeah. yeah. But I would like write a set. 
mm. memorize it or, or, or think I knew what I did, would go. I would go up and do it, and I would never repeat it. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't stand-up. But then I decided I'm going to get an act, and when I get an act and when I feel confident enough, I'm going to move back to the States. So what you, what, you put together an hour, hour and a half? Yeah, or? and I just did my first album coming out. It's oh, called really? Not a Fan. It's coming out next month. How, what's that title based on? Well, it's just it's just a funny title, <laughs> and it'll it'll it, it's a great headline for a fa- for the critics who aren't fans. <laughs> I know I I've done several albums. I did one called Not Sold Out. Oh, there did, we go. I did yeah. another one called Tickets Still Available. Oh my God, it's very much like this. Yeah. This would be a good one for you. Yeah, I did I'm surprised your next one's not called Final not a fan. Engagement. Was another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. I just it's my first comedy album. I'm very excited about it. Um, now, but you're going to release the album and uh, and then tour on the material or you don't No, I'm no, I'm I'm I, I can't do the material anymore. That's what I know, that's what I'm told. It's, I'm trying to rationalize. Well, I don't know. Like I think the, with an album you might be able to, but with a special that's on Netflix it's harder, you know, like Yeah. A, well, I can't get a special on Netflix. I'm trying to get a special for my character, Buddy Cole. Uh-huh. That's what I'm trying to do as well. He's, he's, I think they want him more than me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You're in talks? Yeah. I yeah? Am, I am in talks. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. And then maybe he can, like, once he's in, he can grease the wheels and get me in. Right. But are you doing Buddy Cole shows? Yes, I've been doing the Buddy Cole show regularly at UCB Franklin. Oh, yeah. It's going very, very well. And what's the structure of that show? Uh, it's called A Prelude Deluge, mm. After the Flood. And the structure, the, the premise is that it's it's um, Buddy Cole monologues yeah. since the kids in the hall went off the air. So it's 25 years, 1995 until now. That's 23 years. Yeah. And basically it's like 10 monologues. Yeah. And you follow the monologues and you and you so basically there's a history of buddy cole and they're all about different topics uh-huh. and different stories yeah and in between each monologue i yeah. have a card boy you know like ufc yeah. you have a card girl sure but i have a boy and what's he wearing very little <laughs> i mean sometimes he wears a lot but he <laughs> by the end he's only in a jock strap right and um i use what i do is i go into a town and then i get a young comic to be my card boy and yeah. i prefer straight men yeah because i want to sexually objectify them sure and I also, I'm also very, I find it uh, um, funny yeah. with straight men because they're <laughs> trying to be sexy. I find that amusing. Right, because they're not, like if they were trying to be gay sexy, it'd be different. It but would be different. They're sort of like trying to be like, yeah, and my, what, what does it mean for a straight guy to be sexy in that? And moment? what my, my, my the, the sweet spot for me is yeah. a guy who's just starting to go to seed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> a little bit of a pot. And that's what makes Buddy crazy. Uh-huh. And and he's a little awkward and he's trying to dance. Yeah. And so that's it. Well, and that's then they, funnier, they have cards. Right? It's what's funnier. Yeah, yeah. And then they have cards and they're yeah. like announcing the, 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 the title and the year. And then at the end, we have a little uh, scene. Mm-hmm. But whenever I go into a, a town, I pick a comic to be that card boy. Mm. So I have to pick a different, you know, like I get. And they're a, willing. Yeah, and I like to use stand-up comics. That's my favorite. Like I would, I would have you as a cardboard. I don't know. I know I'm, you. I'm a little do. old. For no, no, you're you're actually <laughs> the sweet spot. You are going to see. I'm not. Just, I'm not yeah, but you're going I'm, to see it in a, a little bit. Yeah. You know, in yeah, a in a. In I, a I, I'm not doing it. No, but I can't do it. But I, all right, maybe you're you're like grizzled in a. You're perfectly grizzled right now. It's <laughs> right there. Perfectly grizzled. Oh, good, good. <laughs> No, it's right. I'm just I'm just shy of of, of just crumbling. Yeah. yeah, or ornery. Yeah, like an ornery old coot. Yeah, yeah. Know? I might be heading that way. I, I'm a little open now. You know, I, I don't think I think I've gotten less ornery, but I I, I imagine you're that more, can come. You're back. more open than you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe you're you're moving away from ornery. I am a little. 
You used to be more of a grumpy old man when you were younger. Yeah, I think if you were to talk to my uh, uh, girlfriend, it's all still in place. Oh, really? The grumpy old man. I think my public persona has 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 opened up. My okay. private persona it's is still a little, okay. little tough. Okay. A little <laughs> a little, still a little, too, a little, lot of gristle on the meat. A little cranky, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so you've been back how long? Just over a year. I came back the week before Trump was inaugurated. Oh, yeah. I felt I was needed. Yeah. Well, maybe you are. Well, I think you need. I think you really need outsiders. I I was ready to come to your country. I was ready to go. Oh, no, you don't want to go to Canada. Why do people say that? Because you think you want it, but you don't. No, you just want to have that. I, I guess so. I, I don't know. I'm at an age where, what do I really need? Well, if you've given up your dreams of like superstardom, then go to Canada. Uh huh. Well, no, I just mean like there was a discomfort. Like you didn't, we didn't, we don't, we still don't know what, you know, what the, and I'm not running away. Obviously I'm engaged no. and I live here, but yeah. you, you don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what my country looks like anymore. You know, it, it's it, right I think now. it's going to be okay. <laughs> I do. I do. I'm not worried at all. Oh, good for you. No, I'm not worried well, at yeah, all. Because, you're because I've seen Canadian. worse. And, what have you seen oh, worse? Oh, please. You have to remember, I'm a gay man, yeah, okay? Right. Like, nothing's ever going to be as bad as my youth. Uh-huh. Nothing's ever going to touch the HIV epidemic. Yeah. So for me, it's all gravy. Mm. It's all peacetime for me. Yeah. So I go, nothing's ever going to touch your friends f- dying like flies. Yeah. Thinking about every sexual act is going to kill you. Watching a society turn away from you and watch yeah. you die. That's just never going to be. Right. It's just never going to be that bad. And so maybe that's, it's it's a little selfish of me to go, ah, get over it. It's sure. You got it good. And and I, so I really believe, and I look back at like George Bush Jr. And I'm like, yeah. how come people are giving him such a. You know, a free ride. I'm like, he invaded sovereign countries. He's responsible for the death of hundreds of thousands of people in the Middle East. For all of Donald Trump's, like, you know, boorishness, he's not responsible for all those deaths. Yet. Yet, but you can't punish a man for something he might do. He's not a good guy. That's not the point. No, I know. Neither was George Bush. No one who becomes president is a good guy. No, I understand that. I understand that. Like Bill Clinton, who everybody worships, created Don't Ask, Don't Tell and the Defense of Marriage Act. Right. So, you know, I mean, like we're moving towards the thing, though, where, you know, put, you know, getting rid of all the protections, environmental protections. Yeah, and those, the, those things aren't good. Right. I'm just saying that he's criticizable. Oh, of course he's criticizable. <laughs> I'm not a defender. I'm just saying I, I don't see it as um, the end of the, the end world. of the world yet. OK. And it, 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 it might be. Yeah. But it, but you're okay. You survived cancer. This is the thing. I'm OK. And, and I it's interesting because I see so many comedians paralyzed. And I don't know if it's because I'm Canadian. Is it my age? Is it the fact that I'm a gay man who's seen a lot of shit? Paralyzed how? You in seen... terms of they're so freaked out by oh. Donald Trump being in power, right? That they, 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 and also political correctness is making them uncomfortable, especially straight white guys. Yeah, they are like, well, I can't say anything, and I have, I'm kind of free. I'm yeah. like, I don't have any of that. I don't worry about, I'm like, I'm not going to apologize for being white or male. I'm a gay man in my late 50s. I got nothing to apologize. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you want to like, if we want to have like, you know, enter like my generation in the the victimization sweepstakes, we Mm. win. Yeah. And that's a strange power nowadays in this world we live in. So I'm not worried by, I'm not worried by political correctness and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not, um, 
paralyzed by Donald Trump's presidency. Well, no, I think everyone has to sort of, we do have to kind of fight through that. You, yes. you know, I mean, it just, it's the way the country works. Yeah, and comedy, like I, I think comedians have to remember, you, you, you've got to be funny. And, yeah. and, and and virtue signaling or letting everybody know that you're on the right page politically yeah. isn't funny. Right, right. We need to get past that. No one really cares. <laughs> I, 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 right? I no, I think being funny, and if you can do a little bit of virtue signaling and be funny. No, no. You can't? No. They, they're completely exclusive. I think so. <laughs> no, I think a person, they should leave a comedy show and go, wow, that, that person was hilarious. I'm not sure what their politics are. Oh, I don't know if I completely agree with that. <laughs> I want people to go, I like that guy, but I can't tell if he's evil or good. No, you're evil. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I'm evil. <laughs> oh, that, that question That's the nicest thing one. anyone said to me today. You're evil. You said, and that, you, that came out quick. <laughs> well, you know, evil, you evil, you're cute evil. Cute evil, yeah, yes. Yeah. Impish. Can we just say impish? Sure. Yeah. So since you've been back, are you? is the work coming your way? Are you reintegrating? What's happening? Yes. Oh, good. I'm doing a ton of stand-up, a ton of live performing. I'm not auditioning a lot. Like, I'm not getting, like, yeah. acting roles. Yeah. But they're, they're going to come. And what was, uh, did you, like, I was at the, the Shandling Memorial. Did you come down for that or were you sick? Uh, I was sick. You weren't in town. I wasn't in town. Yeah. No, I loved Gary Shanley. He was an amazing. How man. long we did? How long were you on that show? Three for? years. And you had a good relationship. Very with him? much so. Yeah. Sweet guy, right? Sweet guy. What I loved about Gary was like a brilliant comedian. Yeah. I mean, a genius. Yeah. But a good man. Yeah. And that's not always the case. Yeah. And um, you, yeah. you knew Gary, I take it. A little it. bit, a little bit. Yeah, Not was, a lot. I mean, I, was, I talked to him in here. I can't say I knew him. He was amazing. He, I mean, I, I, he really inspired me to to do stand-up in a way because he, he, took, on, he took it on late. Mm -hmm. He didn't start off that way. And, and what I loved about the way he worked was he was always working. Like when we would do the show, he was never satisfied. He was always thinking about a better line uh -huh. or a better way to attack this right up until they called action. And even when we were performing, he would still go, eh, I know there's something better here. Yeah. And and I really admired that. And I also admired the fact that he didn't care where a suggestion came from. I wouldn't say he was egoless, yeah. but he didn't care if it was a writer or an actor or a grip. Or yeah. He didn't care. Yeah. Um, if it served the funny. If it served the funny. Yeah. 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 I, I, th I think he was, uh, he's one of the greatest comic minds i've ever yeah come in contact with and and also one of the great people yeah so are you my friend oh i thought it was evil and impish yeah but aren't we all yeah well comedians are a little evil yeah you gotta have a little it you gotta you ride the you ride the line because you want to stir shit up yeah and, and, but that's a good but that's it's not evil thing. it's like it's sort of like it's just a portal into the shadow well, don't you think that's our job? Yes. To bring things out of the darkness? A little bit. Into the light? Yeah, it's not our, exclusively our job. But I mean, it's nice if you can get some of that in there. Well, what else is there? I'll tell you what, they, you know what else there is? Giving people a little relief. Well, really, exactly. Sure. So, we're like holy prostitutes. There you go. Yeah. That's yeah. the name of your new show. I like that. Holy prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, you keep it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. It's Great mine. talking to you, buddy. Nice to talk to you. That was me and Scott, so check him out if he's in your town uh, with his character Buddy Cole doing the new uh, Buddy monologues. 
And also uh, look for Buddy Cole's autobiography, Buddy Babylon. And uh, it was a pleasure to talk to Scott. This is me signing off after having a great vacation and uh, five-city European tour. I'll talk to you back in the States. And, uh, yeah. Boomer lives! <laughs>